0: We've talked a lot about this in-between media this season. There's going to be curveballs coming your way. Hate's a strong word. I dislike
1: Kirk Cousins more. Than probably any other quarterback. I get a little bit of that rookie-itis, you know. I would have said, I would love to move what Even spot.
2: though i straight, I'm still stuck between an interpretation, what
1: it
0: all means. Can I make a difference or something different? My mind imprisoned. then I saw the vision. Played the field, it's no competition. Found success through the repetition. If it's impossible, stick to the mission. I'm just cruising through, on am way to get it. I found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself in somewhere in between. The in-between fantasy football podcast. So one thing that you know really sets us apart here is, is we're not afraid to talk about other things that maybe aren't super fantasy related. Do what you can to become a better person. To become a better human. All right. All right. All right. You guys know what it is. It's Tuesday, November 9th. This is the Inbetween podcast. Here to break everything down from a wild, wild week nine in the NFL and just a wild and strange week in life in general is Seth Wilcock. You guys know me. My, my co-host, as always, Nate Polvo, keeping it cool out there in Colorado. And Scott Looking sleepless in Seattle, as always. Guys, how are we hanging out there? Um, Really just a crazy last week, not just in the fantasy football landscape, but in the world in general.
1: Dude, it's been wild. The weather here has been wild. It was 80 degrees on Sunday, (laughs) and then it was like 45 yesterday, and then it was like 50 today. It's wild weather, and then fantasy's been nuts. Like We thought Binata was crazy, and week nine's like, hold my beer. I got this. Man, it's been a wild ride, but hey, it's life, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's no denying how crazy it's been. I mean, the build up to week nine with with the tragedy involving Henry Rods and then Aaron Rodgers, that whole debacle, and then week nine itself, it was just insane. And then I mean Nate mentioned the weather. I'm on the phone with the client today and I get what sounds like an Amber alert on my phone. My phone just starts blaring. It's a tornado warning. Um, one County over from ours.
0: Wow. Totally. Which
2: I'm in Seattle, man. Like we don't get tornadoes in Seattle. Right. So that was pretty weird. And I mean, I looked off in the distance where they, you know, to that other County and it looked bad, but luckily that was canceled. And then it just was one of those days. We took our, our car into the shop cause it was running funny. It's a, it's a 2017 Toyota Sienna, Toyota. I love Toyotas. My family oh, has had yeah. Toyotas forever. They're really good, reliable cars that last forever. Four-year-old car. We need a new transmission. I've never oh, heard. Oh no! I've never heard of that before in like a less than five-year-old Toyota. We're still under warranty, so they, you know, you don't have to pay an arm and a leg. But you know, just one of those days. One of those days that followed one of those weeks. Uh, what about you,
0: Seth? How's your day? I mean, Monday and Tuesday have definitely been a little more chill than the weekend. Um, uh, last night, however, was definitely like fantasy football induced. Like it was one of those nights where I was just sitting there. My Steelers were on. I was crossing my fingers the whole game. So wild situation heading into week nine. I had both David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert on my team in my home league. Very competitive home league. I'm buying for the two seed right now. Um, I had them both on my team. and I, I kind of went into the week with the expectation that Montgomery might play, but even if he did, Herbert would maybe get the bulk of the carries. Well, about an hour before the game or so, I see some reports from Chicago Beat reporters, and they're saying that Montgomery, he's healthy. He's going to get the bulk of the work. So I go to try to you know make the swap there. I, I still had Montgomery on IR. In ESPN leagues, I couldn't drop anyone that had already played. Like I had Dan Jefferson. And I was like, oh. So I had Fryer move. And uh Khalil Herbert going into the night, I had to start Khalil Herbert Montgomery. I knew he was going to get the ball but I had to ride the bench. I go in, I'm down about 20.5 points, and in PPR league standard, like like no tight end premium or anything. We go into it, and first like red zone possession for this, or second red zone possession for the Steelers. Firemuth gets a tud, then he gets another one later in the game, and I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really good. Heading heading into the, the fourth quarter. And then even though I got literally nothing out of Khalil Herbert, but then Friermuth did nothing. Herbert did nothing. So the Bears get the ball back uh, the second to last time there. And I'm still down by 0.5 of point. I'm like, this is probably over. Like I don't have any firepower unless they score. Friermuth isn't you know catching another ball. Comes down to the last drive for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Friermuth catches that reception. Puts me over the top there, but you know, just capped off what was a wild week. Um, Just did not expect that to happen at all. That was a wild game.
2: I think you should be able to move somebody from IR into your lineup.
0: It is, it is what it is. It is I the know. rules. I, but <laughs> I definitely did burn myself. I was thinking that it might be like sleeper where you can do that if necessary, but ESPN, good old ESPN, got me there. We got the W though, guys. We move forward here into Week Ten. Guys, we have a ton to break down on today's show. We're going to, as always, roll out headline hijinks, kind of break it down in a funny type of way, do some temperature check, take the pulse of the NFL as we head into week 10. we got some sure things, sleepers of the week for you as well. And we're going to round it out with some weekly advice. I want to touch on the Astro World event and kind of just proper protocol when going to a concert or seeing live music. So we're going to do this all. Um, if you guys want to ch- check out the replay version, make sure you uh, – Head over to our iTunes, um, Spotify, wherever you guys are getting your podcast. you can subscribe to us over there. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube if you are so kind. And, guys, if you want to ask any questions tonight, interact with um, us hosts tonight, head over to our YouTube channel. We can actually fire up those contents or those comments for you on screen. Um, guys, let's go ahead and get into it with Headline Hijinks tonight. Um, headline Hijinks is once again presented by Monkey Knife Fight, our newest sponsor here at In Between Media. And, guys, one of the reasons I love Monkey Knife Fight so much is because it really is daily fantasy sports for the average citizen, the common guy, guys like me, Nate, Scott, who, you know, we're watching a lot of games. We're watching all the games, but we are not DFS Sharks, home of the famous more or less games, um, Monkey Knife Fight. They have not just football games. They also have NASCAR. They have golf. They have um, UFC, uh, a ton of sports, and a lot of which we cover actually right here at in between media in the mornings um on sunday we actually have a dfs tailgate show as well with connor coughlin and beau mcbigtime and they're here every week and i know connor hit a couple parlays this weekend again more money in his pocket so more money you guys can hit hit in your pockets as well if you guys want to sign up for M- monkey knife fight head over to monkey knife fight use the promo code ibt that's promo code ibt at monkey And they're going to match up to a $100 deposit. And they're also going to give you a free game with that as well. All right, enough said, guys. Check it out Monkey Knife Fight. You've seen it long enough. And let's just go ahead and head into Headline Hijinks. All right, so wacky wacky NFL Week 9. We've already talked about it, guys. Let's just start making fun of it because, it, it, it for me, um, it felt like I was back in 2018 or 2019. Lamar Jackson was the QB1. James freaking Connor, um, you know, who, who we all thought he was a shell of coming into the season. RB1, 40-plus 40, 40 points in, in PPR leagues. It was incredible to see Jimmy G runs it back. Has a great week, um, nine, Jordan nine, Howard. Nine, yeah, Jordan Howard, Naeem Hines, uh, Melvin Gordon, uh, Devonta Freeman, <laughs> Mark Ingram, Jared Cook, like Dante eight, Foreman. Yeah, it it really felt like a blast from the past. So I think I think my headline this week is Week Nine. Throw it on back because it really did felt like I was like back in my college apartment, just chilling there, you know with a good old Aldi's pizza and watching the game. But Week 9, throw it on back. That was my headline for this week. Nate, what was your headline for for this crazy week, man? So my headline for
1: this week is Friday the 13th on Sunday the 7th. A weird NFL season gets even weirder in Week 9. And, like, guys, we had a 9-6 to Jacksonville Jaguars victory in a field goal shootout. Yeah. We had the Broncos essentially shut out the Cowboys for th- – well, not essentially. They shut the Cowboys out for three quarters. Yeah. Um, Matthew Stafford at one point had negative 10 points for me in one league in the first half of that game, and then they got handled by Tennessee. Jordan Howard scored in touchdowns again. The Eagles took the Chargers down to the final seconds of the game. Yeah. Somebody needs to unplug the NFL, like let it set for like thirty seconds, and then just plug that back in, see what happens. Because, wow,
2: what just wow? Yeah, I've heard when you when you do that, when you unplug stuff, to let the power drain out. You have to unplug everything. You have to unplug from the wall. You have to unplug from your little power bar. <laughs> and then unplug. You have to do a lot. So I mean, if the NFL is going to do that, if the NFL is going to do that. I just want to make sure they do all the steps. Scott, they it. should
1: they should have you do it for them. <laughs> I'll do it. I don't trust Roger Goodell to do it right. I don't think anybody <laughs> knows where that guy is. I think he's <laughs>
2: hiding, especially after that game last night. Well, speaking of that game last night, my headline hijinks is if it's broke, fix it. You know, typically it's if it ain't broke, don't try and fix it. Um, but in this case, if it's broke, fix it. And I'm specifically talking about the taunting rule in the NFL. <sighs> It's just, you know, like it's it comes up every week, but last night it was on display, you know, Monday night football only game, whatever about like who would have won all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm I'm talking more just about generally impact it's having. Um, And I see a lot of the a lot of the kind of dialogue about it is, you know, people that aren't as pissed off about it are saying, hey, it's a rule. Follow the rules. Hey, they knew it was a rule. Follow the rules. Like it's that simple. I don't know if those people have ever played competitive sports, but it is, it is, you know, uh, not flinching before the ball snapped. Yeah, that's a rule. You know, you got to train yourself not to break it. But being in the moment and letting adrenaline take over and emotion take over in a competitive game after you do something great for your team, crowds cheering or whatever, it's not as simple as just, hey, remember the rules, remember... And specifically this rule, I just don't really understand the motivation behind it. I don't really, you know, I'm the first to say, like, any, when every single receiver catches a ball, no matter how far they are down the field, and they get up and drop it through the first down every single time, yeah, that gets a little annoying, but it shouldn't be a penalty. It's a judgment call, too, for the refs, and you can't leave judgment to the refs, obviously. Yeah. So I think that that
0: rule is broken, and I think they need to fix it. I, I, I know really, I'm no alone right. there. I think Ryan Clark said it really good on ESPN this morning too. Like when you're a player and all you've been taught like your whole life is to like, you're going into war here. You know, this isn't a normal type of game and you're going into war here and you get all jacked up on defense. You make a huge play. Like you can't just calm down, you know, like, like it's a different type. You know, we hear a lot from these athletes. We heard it over the weekend with the NASCAR championship. Um, Daniel Hamrick said he blacked out the last two laps. We, We've heard Aaron Rodgers when when he did the I Still Own You for, for the Chicago Bears fans this year is blacking out, and that happens a lot. So something needs to be done. I don't know. I don't know what that is. That's above my pay grade. But I think someone definitely – the NFL is the smartest league in the world. They will figure this out. I do believe that. Oh, they have to
2: because this is supposed to be fun. It's a sport. Well, and I just like, don't understand We want to see to. these guys celebrate. I understand some of the stuff that they've implemented for safety reasons, but this is just, a, it doesn't really make any sense. I mean, yeah, there's still egregious things you can do that are taunting. Sure. always been called taunting before this year. Sure. Keep those in. But not yeah. these, not these Nicky Matt, you know, these ticky tack well, not- calls that are so, so you know, because I mean, a lot of times people are taunting because they're excited because they just made a good play and that good play goes completely in the reverse due to the penalty. Well, so. like last night, like
1: you flag a guy because he stared at the other opposing sideline a hair tick too long?
2: Well, like... Oh, no, I don't even want to... Yeah, I, don't get me started. I just
0: there. do want to provide a little bit of context for our listeners or our viewers who might not have seen the play, but basically it was a fourth down play. Chicago was going to get the ball back with a chance to win the game and the the, the punt went off and, and the... The the one guy for I don't even know his name is he just a special teams player for the Bears. Cassius League? Marsh.
1: Cassius oh. Marsh. Yeah. Yes, former Seahawk
0: Patriot. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just staring down at the Pittsburgh sideline a little bit. Um, you know, m- maybe looked at, at the punter the wrong way or something, and then got got the taunting foul. Steelers got got to you know continue moving the ball up the field, and and really that was the decisive part in that game. Yeah, I think they kicked a field goal to go up by six instead of just up three, I believe. Yep. Um.
1: Yeah. It was a three point swing in the game on
2: a penalty that shouldn't have been called.
0: Yeah, it, it, in addition to a lot of bad calls against the Bears all night, there's a touchdown taken away um, uh, for for something that was not illegal, and then in addition to ju- Justin Justin Fields got hit pretty bad last night. That it, was helmet to helmet. How that
1: didn't get called, yeah. I don't understand. These must be these must be like I don't know SEC
2: referees. Did you see that Did you see the NFL officiating uh, Twitter account? put out that video of that hit on fields saying, Hey, look, he's still on the field to play, but in the same video, in slow motion, it shows clear helmet to helmet, clear helmet to helmet. It's just, you know, there was, there was uh, no attempt.
1: There was no attempt by Fitzpatrick to avoid the helmet to helmet contact. That's
0: what was most glaring to me. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it happened yeah. guys. It, it was a, it was a crazy week to a, cra- a crazy end to a crazy week. So we're going to break down a little more what we think is sticky here and what, what's not sticky moving forward into week 10. Um, so we're going to go ahead and give you some temperature check. Once again, temperature check is presented by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. If you guys have not checked out Underdog Fantasy, what are you waiting for in between family? Because I mean, th- this is just another opportunity for you to put some green back into your wallet. And Underdog Fantasy is a platform, I would say, Nate, that it makes me, again, another average DFS player, another average prop bet picker that it makes me feel really good. It makes me feel smart at the end of the day. Well, the difference in under, between underdog and a
1: place like DraftKings or FanDuel is that you're not drafting against 50,000 people where you're all picking the same players. These right. are two, four, and six-man drafts. They're for the one week. You're all picking out of the same pool of players. There are no repeats. It's far less intimidating. It's a very user friendly platform, and I mean, really, like they're so customizable, and they've got prop picks you can do, and where you stack five, you can win twenty times your money. They have a lot of options, and There's they have a lot drafts. of sports weekly yeah. drafts. The weekly drafts are amazing; they're a great alternative to DraftKings, no and no salary cap, no salary cap, and. I think it's time that you sign up if you haven't already Um, use our promo code IBT and you get a hundred percent deposit match up to $100 on your first deposit. If you're a first time user, that's a hundred percent deposit match. You put in a hundred bucks, you have 200 to play with no strings
0: attached. It's a great deal. Let's go baby. Thank you to our friends over there. Underdog. Let's go ahead and head head into some temperature check. (laughs)
1: Temperature check. That's really spicy! Holy s- fire! Oh, All right.
0: Every time, so uh, hot, baby. We are back on temperature check, and today I want to break things down a little bit differently. Today I just want to simply ask my two friends, Nate and Scott. Here, it has what we've been seeing lately from these fantasy football players, from these NFL players. Is it smoke or is it fire? So, guys, I want to start by taking the temperature of one of the best tight ends in the league lately. None other than Pat the Muth, Fryer Muth, baby. Um, since week six, guys, he has been the tight end one on a points-per-game basis. Minimum two games played. I'm taking out George Kittle. He's only played one. He would technically be the tight end one. But more than two games played, Pat Fryer Muth, guys, we saw it again. He saved my night on a Monday Night Miracle. Two, two touchdowns. It really feels like, to me, he has taken over this Juju Smith-Schuster role, which is kind of crazy to say about a tight end taking over a wide receiver's role, but he's getting those difficult, you know, short to mid-level passes, and he's making the most of it. So, Scott, starting with you, man, is this smoke or fire? This is fire. If Fire
2: means that it's real and it's spectacular.
0: So, I mean, I will say it has it, – it
2: did – his kind of ascension has coincided with Ebron being out. Ebron has been out since week six, and starting in week six, that's when that's when Friar Muth had his – you know, he had seven targets, seven targets, six targets this past game three touchdowns the last two weeks. And he's a, he's a red zone guy. I mean, I wasn't able to watch that entire game. So I was paying attention on my phone uh, here and there and they were in the red zone. And I just like had a feeling it's going to say a touchdown for Ironmouth. So I, I think for like, for the dynasty folks out there, this isn't a surprise. It's kind of surprising how quickly it's happening because rookie tight ends never succeed. But I mean, like Ray GQ, well-known fantasy expert on, Twitter, he was calling this guy out during the offseason. Like, if you miss on Kyle Pitts, go get Pat Friermuth. Um, I mean, I think he's shown it, it, It's. – I'm a little concerned about when Ebron comes back, but I think he's staked his claim on the exact role you were just talking about, Seth. So I'm with Scott. This is fire. Um,
1: I'm not worried about when Eric Ebron comes back because I think Friermuth has cemented what he is in this offense, and Eric Ebron was never able to fully do that. He had weird, like, occasional usage, but you couldn't rely on him in fantasy to get any sort of, like, real constant volume. Versus, like you were saying, Scott, uh, Pat Fryermuth is seeing all that volume. He's had seven targets, seven targets, and six targets in his last three games. He's got the three touchdowns in his last two. He's clearly becoming a go-to for Ben Roethlisberger, I just don't see this stopping because who else are they going to, who's going to take targets away from him in that offense. It's not going to be James Washington.
0: No, there, there really is no one. Chase Claypool has definitely been an underachiever by my yep. standards th- this season. Deontay Johnson seems like, you know, him and Najee obviously have some type of role in this passing game, but I want to point something out about Fryer. Just how good of a player this is. I mean, obviously he comes from Penn state. We are baby. So, I mean, you, you knew he had high football IQ. A lot of these tight ends that, that have any draft pedigree in the last couple of years coming out early, they normally do. Evan Ingram excluded. I, I I can't speak for that guy. But um so on that second touchdown, if anyone watched that, you know, he was covered. He was cut double coverage early in that route, and he just kept moving with Big Ben. He kept his eyes on him, he found the open open in the field and, and he delivered. So he's got great hands and he's a great blocker too. Like, Eric Ebron has some pretty sure hands nowadays in the red zone com- compared to his early years, but he does not block the way Friermuth does. So I'm with you guys. I think it's fire. With that said, though, if you have him, you might have another good tight end, too. I have him in a league I have Hawkinson in, another one that I have um, that I have Mark Andrews. I might be trying to sell him high if someone's willing to give me something good off, off him, though.
1: I mean, yeah. Go
2: ahead, man
1: if
0: you're set at tight end and you're set with your flex, then absolutely. Yep. All right, guys want to move, want to move forward here to a, another rookie breakout the last couple weeks. And that's Elijah Moore. He goes seven for 82 and two touchdowns here in week nine. He's been wide receiver eight over the last three weeks since he returned from injury. Um, it, it is a little bit of a tougher slate for him coming up, though, guys. He's got Buffalo, which it, we know is the best defense in the league. Um, Miami, which Miami, you know, they can be exposed. But but Houston still, for being as bad of a team they are, they've kind of limited points to the wide receiver position as well. Is this sticky at all? Scott, are you feeling smoke or, or fire on Elijah Moore? I, I
2: feel fire on Elijah Moore as well. Um, I think uh, – somewhat similar to another gentleman I'll talk about later in our sleeper section, but he's a rookie, highly touted, talented rookie, a lot of, a lot of hype coming into the season and then had to deal some injuries. And that injury in your rookie season, early in the season can, for, for most rookies, that first season's a wash. You're not really ever going to do anything that season because you didn't have the time to build that camaraderie and learn the system and all that kind of stuff. But Elijah Moore has shown it didn't take him long. It's not taking him a very good quarterback to get to get done what he's got done. And I was listening to the late round podcast today, JJ Zacharyson, and he he brought up a good point that a lot of concern with Elijah Moore once he came was Jameson Crowder, and that Moore was uh, a slot guy and Jameson that's Jameson Crowder's world. But this past week, his his big day, his big breakout day, he was he was on the outside more than he was in the slot, which is a really good sign for him to continue to get that kind of volume that he got. So I believe in that talent. Um, he's a guy that in one of my redraft leagues, I was this close to just picking him up last week. I had a second quarterback that I used as a fill-in, didn't need him. I was like, ah, I just throw somebody on the end of my mm-hmm. bench, and just didn't for whatever reason. Right. And now I'm kicking myself. So I think I think it's fire. I mean, he does have a he does have a little bit of a slate coming up. I mean, Miami, that's that's a that's a great matchup, but the other two aren't great. Um, and he has plays for the Jets. But with what you got out there available, you know, once you come around to week nine. I mean, if he's, if he's available, I I'm, I'm picking him up for sure.
0: So I want to begin this rebuttal by saying I am a little bit biased. I, I have never been a huge Elijah Moore fan. I actually got attacked on Twitter by a Jets fan um, right after the NFL draft. I, I didn't have him in, in my initial wide receiver redraft rankings for a good reason. Obviously, as we've seen now, you know, it's taken nine That's weeks for him to have any, any sort of a breakout, but um it, I am a little worried that maybe this is just a little more smoke. Um, we don't know what Zach Wilson is going to be when he comes back. He doesn't seem to want to take the the easier throws. And Corey Davis has been out too during this breakout too. So like, I worry about that. I, I think Corey Davis is going to, you know, command some sort of target share when he comes back. Nate, do you want to split the difference here? Uh, where are you on Elijah Moore?
1: So because we know Zach Wilson is coming back, I'm going to say smoke for now. Uh, if we we're talking dynasty, I'm saying fire. You want to hold this guy because the situation is going to get better and Zach Wilson's going to get better. But this year ain't it for Zach Wilson. He's one of those guys who needed to sit behind a veteran for a season or two. I truly believe that to be effective. I still think there's hope because he's a smart kid. But anyone in this offense, I have a hard time rest of the season redraft outside of Michael Carter and maybe Ty Johnson. I just don't see the volume continuing for him once Zach Wilson's back that said, I've been wrong about a lot of things in my life. This could (laughs) very well be one of them, but I just, and his usage prior, even when he came back healthy and it was Zach Wilson, it still wasn't great.
0: Yeah. I I need to see it from Elijah more. Like I I just think there's going to be people willing to burn that number one claim or use more fab than I personally am. Um, But for all means, like if he's hanging out there tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning, um, and you can grab him, like he's a great flyer. Like, you know what I mean? At the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, he's a guy I'll absolutely take a flyer on. Yeah. Rest of season. Just not willing to spend up personally, but maybe Scott will be that guy. So we'll, we'll see what happens here, guys. Um, Let's move forward with a guy that Nate has been hot on since all of last year, Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney, he comes out 20.6 PPR points here in week nine. I've really enjoyed watching Darnell Mooney, even though it's come at the expense of Allen Robinson so far this season. Two touchdowns for him. He's been wide receiver 33. Um, five good games, four bad games for Darnell Mooney. So it's been a little bit of hot and cold with him. Um, but he does lead Chicago in all receiving stats right now. So he does seem like he is you know, the number one, at least in Justin Fields' eyes. Nate, I, I want to start with you, man, because I'm i am sure you're going fire on this one. Am I right? Oh, it's fire. If you'd
1: asked me like three weeks ago, I probably wouldn't have said that. But we're starting to see Fields get comfortable in this offense. It's like that week away from Nagy, like allowed him to like work in his own head and figure some things out in practice and in a game situation to where he came into this game against Pittsburgh and he was more confident. He was more comfortable with his receivers. He had David Montgomery back and it was like, everything almost like is starting to connect for fields, which is huge for Darnell Mooney's value the rest of the season in redraft because you need that because you need the volume to continue, but you need it to be consistent, accurate passes that Mooney can catch. And we're starting to finally see that from fields He's making the throws. He's getting out into space, and he's finding his receivers. That throw to Allen Robinson last night was beautiful on the yeah, sideline, man. and it was in a tough situation for Fields. Like, it wasn't under no pressure. Darnell Mooney is going to be his number one target the rest of the season.
2: Nate? <laughs> Scott, where, where are you at on this, man? Are, are you lying, lying smoke? Um, Oh, I'm I'm all fire on Mooney. Mooney's my new favorite player in the NFL. No, I, and if you saw last night, um, I was using our good friend GMNJ's uh, recent picture that's going around Twitter um, to talk about how I realized I needed points for Mooney to win a matchup. So I got to sit there and watch that. And then a bunch of people joined in the thread that also needed Mooney. And it turned into this really fun kind of little watch party for Mooney. And everybody won because of Mooney. So but I've, I've been on Mooney all season. I think he's he's a really talented pass catcher. And I mean, I always knew, I mean, it's such a tough thing in fantasy because we love Justin Fields. He gets drafted. We love it. He struggles. We get impatient because that's the nature of fantasy football. Certainly. He's a rookie. But what I saw from him in that game um, gave me a lot of hope for the rest of this season because that, that was a tough matchup. Um, hostile conditions, um, you know, kind of behind the eight ball with some of the calls, you know, and still – drove them down the field to take the lead with that throw to Robinson. I mean, he had the third, second most yards against Pittsburgh this year, you know, the whole season, Fields did. So with Fields comes Mooney, in my opinion. Um, I've always thought if Fields takes off, Mooney's going to be right there with him. So
0: this is all fire for me. Mooney's all fire. So I just want to assess this a little bit in some actionable terms here. Are you guys still kind of on the fence that Allen Robinson probably, like, he obviously can't be started moving forward, Alan Robinson, maybe not even on fantasy rosters. Are we still kind of in, in that range for A-Rob? A-Rob, you know, like there's a, in redraft, the
2: the dropping has started with A-Rob. People have dropped him. People have, Other people have suggested to drop him. I still haven't dropped him from any of my teams, and I'm probably not going to unless I'm absolutely desperate. By no means am I starting him. But I've had the same feeling with him too. It's like the passing game has been atrocious I mean, all year. Yeah. I mean, I mean yes, Allen Robinson's numbers are way down, and it's super disappointing. But if you just look at the total amount of passes per game for the Bears up until the last few weeks, it was ridiculously low. Yeah, I think so I, it's, just, it's the whole team.
0: So I'm not, I'm not dropping him yet. If I can, if I can, if I can hold him. Nate, are are you that? Are you still holding a Rob? He's averaging just around three or four targets a game. I'm
1: holding him for now. I liked what I saw last night, and I think there's a chance that his value rest of season is elevated. Phil's um, look comfortable with him. I'm comfortable holding on to him. There are, the thing is, in context, like if you look at the waiver wire, who are you dropping him to pick up?
0: Okay, it's fair enough. And then at the end of the day, where would you guys as well rank darnell mooney for the rest of the season because i still see him you know still within that wide receiver three is a risky flex play to me like i mean there's obviously some type of floor you're going to get probably six or seven ppr points at the minimum from him but i still see him you know somewhere in that wide receiver three range even though maybe it's it's the mid-range of it
2: yeah i would agree with that i think that's where i mean that's the thing about him too is is it still is only one kind of showing out game for Justin Fields. So it's not, I don't think he's just this auto start yet. Yeah. But like Nate said, the way I feel about Mooney compared to a couple of weeks ago is a lot higher. And I mean, if you look at the people in the range of that, you know, that wide receiver three zone and points per game, you've got your Cole Beasley's
0: and your Marvin Jones and Christian Kirk's and that kind of stuff. Would you rather have any of those guys over Mooney rest of the season over Mooney? Yeah. Uh, probably not okay okay um guys I, I do want to talk on, about one of those players that Scott actually just mentioned there and that's Christian Kirk he's he's been on a heater lately as well wide receiver 23 after catching six targets all six of his targets for 91 yards and a tutty here in week nine guys he's only really had one bad week and that was week four, the atrocious 1.5 points but as we know all wide receivers in the NFL, they're gonna have a bad week, whether it's a donut or close to it. Um, right now, guys, he he actually leads Arizona's in receptions and receiving yards. So, I mean, it looks like a career year for Christian Kirk. And and I I'll start off by saying I did not expect this. I, you know, when you go in to project these players out each year, there just didn't seem like this type of pass volume. Like I knew there was gonna be a lot of volume. I projected Murray running more than he has this season, so that definitely has up the passing volume. But at the end of the day, like Christian Kirk already has 121 PPR points. His his season high in his career is 168. So he's already, you know, at the halfway point, he's he's on pace to shatter that right now. Scott, w- when you ranked Christian Kirk, did you see this as a possible outcome for him? And are you buying this moving forward? Um, I mean,
2: not necessarily this consistency, I would say. I mean, I've always kind of liked Christian Kirk. He's been kind of one of those guys over the years that every now and then I would just grab off the waiver wire just in case it never pans out. Um, So, I mean, I think he's playing above where I expected him to be. But I'm also not super trusting it's going to continue. I don't see myself confidently starting Christian Kirk. I think part of the reason he's had that success is DeAndre Hopkins has not had the typical amount of success that we've been used to from DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, he's now he was out with a hamstring, and I don't know how long he's going to be out. And he wasn't 100% all year, and that that was the case. But you know, his target share and his targets and catches were were down from the from the year prior. So I think if he comes back healthy at any point this season, I think that's going to cut into Christian Kirk. Um, Christian Kirk, as far as the top 36, because I think you said he's 23rd wide receiver, 23 in total points, right? Wide receiver 29 yes. in, in points per game. Correct. Um, so. Uh, the lowest. He's down in the bottom of that. The whole group of, of the top thirty six. He's down in the bottom in routes run per game. Um, I just don't. At the same time, he's not. It's not like this big touchdown frenzy where it's, he's relying on fluid touchdowns for these points. So I'm 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 just kind of on the fence with Christian Kirk. I guess
0: is is where I'm I'm realizing. Nate Nate, do you lean one way or the the other? I did. <coughs> tell Scott. Dang
1: it. <laughs> Coming in here with your reason. The only thing I'll say is that I think that Christian Kirk right now is still above Rondale Moore and AJ Green on that depth chart. So he's, he's going to get targets, but DeAndre Hopkins, if he's healthy, like I hear, I hate, it's hard to want to he's start. Been him
0: Before that too, a little bit. That's true. Well. I mean, that's
1: true. And I, he's had some big weeks. I'm, I mean, honestly, in the situations I'm in, in most leagues, I'm starting him every week because my wide receiver core is so depleted. I don't have a choice. Then you throw in buys and it's like, well, just kill me now. Like, come on, (laughs) what am I supposed to do here? But I mean, I'm going to say smoke because I think it does continue. I think his relevance as the high end wide receiver two, back end wide receiver three or high end wide receiver three back end wide receiver two continues.
0: Yeah. I I think I'm, I'm there with you guys. I mean, He's a high-end flex play for, for me, yep. I think, I think moving forward. I mean, boom weeks, you're going to get the boom weeks. He, he has a little bit of a floor at least this year, but I guess we'll see how it continues. I value the Arizona Cardinals pass catchers outside of um, DeAndre Hopkins once he's back. I value them a lot like I do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receivers, as in, you know, you know the upside's there. Any given week, one of these guys could drop a 30-burger, but you also have to go – in with the knowledge that one of these guys could, you know, have a two-point performance as well. So, yeah, that, that's what happens on these high-potent offenses. At least you have a taste of it. So, Christian Kirk, um, I, I think I, I lean a little bit of a on the fire side as well with Nate, but just barely. Um, I think. I mean,
2: for me, I think where he is right now in points per game, uh, wide receiver twenty-nine. I think that's right.
0: Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Guys, the last wide receiver I want to touch about here um, in temperature check is none other than Tim Patrick, and I tweeted this on Sunday, and, and I've always been in this camp. I think we've talked about it a couple of times on this show already this season, but, man, can we get some damn respect for Tim Patrick? Like, this guy is a good NFL wide receiver. Nate, I know you and I have had lengthy discussions at times that it, on any other team he would be, you know, a surefire number two wide receiver – Guys, he he puts up four for 85 and one touchdown here in week nine. He's currently wide receiver 29 on the year um, in total points scored. I'm liking what I'm seeing from Tim Patrick. Like there seems to be a high variance from both um, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton has a dismal performance, one reception here in week nine. I like what I'm seeing from Tim Patrick. It's 5.2 targets per game. Obviously, you know, it might not be the most the most consistent thing, like it has been so far this season. Now that Judy's back, obviously um, the emergence of the running backs in the passing game could could take that volume down a little bit as well. But I mean, the Broncos are five and four. Their defense isn't as formidable as maybe we thought outside of this week, of course. But Nate, where are you where are you at on your hometown guy here, Tim Patrick? I love him.
1: I love him so much. I love him for catching touchdowns against Dallas. (laughs) That made my heart happy. I love Tim Patrick. I love Tim Patrick because of his talent. And I don't think I care what team he's on for fantasy. But he's in a perfect situation in Denver right now because he's the deep ball guy for Teddy Bridgewater. We saw that on Sunday. We've seen it previously. It's not Cortland Sutton. It's not Jerry Judy. He has gone deep to them. They have not been able to catch the ball. Tim Patrick catches the ball every time. His short and intermediate wide receivers are Judy and Patrick. We saw it with Judy taking a lot of the screen work and those like short, like float routes across the front. Tim Patrick's a deep ball guy. And if they can continue to do what they did in the running game on Sunday with Javante Williams, who is a freaking beast, and Melvin Gordon, who's playing for a contract somewhere else, that opens up that deep ball for Teddy Bridgewater because it eliminates the pressure and it gives him just like a tick more to hang on and wait for one of those guys to get down the field. And that's going to continue to happen the rest of the season. And Tim Patrick, this is all fire. He is disrespected and I won't stand for it anymore. Don't besmirch the name of Tim Patrick. Yes, sir. To quote Herms, but with a different player
2: name. I feel like it is problematic that I give my response now. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Here's what I have to say. I watched that entire game I'm uh, one of those people that does not have a big NFL package mm. to watch all the games. Uh, we, I just, I throw up an antenna and watch whatever's on CBS or Fox. That's just my deal. Um, so I watched the entire Denver Dallas game um, and I was rooting for Denver right alongside Nate. And it was a really fun game to watch in that respect. And I hadn't really watched Tim Patrick that much. Dude's a beast. He's bigger than I thought. Um, and he was making very uh, crucial catches. So my deal with Tim Patrick is I think he's a fantastic NFL receiver. I just don't know if the fantasy points can be maintained. That's where I stand. Um, As a little bit of a counterpoint, I mean, if you look at a dot and air yards, Cortland Sutton is way higher than Tim Patrick. I think Tim Patrick has gotten some deep ball touchdowns, but Cortland Sutton is kind of the more deep route guy Uh, you know, on a more consistent basis. Um, But there's something to be said for Bridgewater trusting him on third downs and in big moments. So I'm a little on the fence with him too. He's, he's right around the Christian Kirk range, kind of mid to low end wide receiver three right now in points per game. Um, That's kind of where I think he belongs. But the other, the other problem is too, is um, I mean, in the last four, he's had three catches a game. That's his, that's, that's what he's averaged. So, I mean, that it's hard for me to and Sutton's target share has been plummeted since Judy got back and I don't think it's going to stay plummeted I think it's going to creep back up they got to get more it's going to be back so I think my I think my issue with Tim Patrick when it comes to fantasy is he's kind of been playing right around his fantasy points ceiling
0: so real quickly guys rank for me rest a year just real quickly Darnell Mooney, Tim Patrick, Christian Kirk. Who's one, two, and three in that? Scott? Uh, Mooney's first for me.
2: Um, Kirk and Patrick are close. I think I might just go Kirk there just because he's been seeing more targets and more catches.
1: I mean, that's fair. Um, I'd probably go Mooney, obviously, number one. Then a slight edge for Patrick just because I think the consistency is going to be there because there's no DeAndre Hopkins in Denver
0: true that's a good point yeah guys i'll give my response that doesn't add much clarity but i'd probably go christian kirk tim patrick and darnell mooney (laughs) in that order but i mean they're all at the end of the day these are high-end wide receiver three to low-end wide receiver threes this is where this group is but in any given week you can throw them in if if you have a bye week coming up um we we know jamar chase is going to be off here this week t higgins those boys so um, if you need a bi-week fill-in, these are great plays to have it. Let's go ahead and move forward here in the show, guys. Um, we do have Sure Things Sleepers of the Week, once again this week, presented by our friends over at Stevens Quality Barbering Services in Kerbinsville, PA. Guys, I've been going to Noah Stevens, the quality man himself, for seven years now. He's been hooking me up. I just went to him last week. I had a wedding over the weekend. I mean, he got me fresh, guys. I had a quality time. Quality price, quality conversation along the way. Overall, just a quality experience over there at Stevens Quality Barbering Services. Whether you're anywhere from Western PA to Central PA, make sure when you're coming through town to stop in. If you want to book an appointment, go to stevens-quality.genbook.com. Book your appointment. Get fit up today by your guy, Noah. All right, and let's go ahead and roll into some sure things, sleepers of the week. the short Thing.
2: Sleepers
0: of the week. All right. We're back on the shore, guys. We're going to cancel out all the cold weather we've been experiencing lately. But let's sit beachside a little bit, crack your Corona, crack your water, whatever you guys are drinking tonight. Nate, why don't you start us off, man? Who's your Shore Thing sleeper of the week? It's week 10, man. We've done quite a few of these so far this season. So mine is Dearness Johnson, but it's with a
1: caveat. Nick Chubb has to not play on Sunday. And it's it's sounding like he probably more than likely isn't going to play. So I love Dearness Johnson in this matchup. Um, they've got New England, who's been decent against the run, but not great. Better against the pass than the run. And when Dearris Johnson has had all the volume, he just had, you know, twenty two carries for one hundred and forty six yards and a touchdown. So, you know, no big deal. This it, it, this simply is a uh, if he if he's the RB one because Demetric Felton also tested positive for COVID and is in the same protocol as Nick Chubb, and they've been using him in the backfield intermittently with Hunt out as well if he has hundred percent of the volume in that backfield, he's going to have another 22 carries for 146 yards and a touchdown. Because that's the way the Cleveland offense works. They need that bell cow running back to take the pressure off of Baker. So it can open up the passing game because without that Baker can't operate. So this is just, it's a great week to fire him up. The matchup is good. They're going to lean on him. We know the talents there. And if you have Nick Chubb, you might already have Dearness Johnson, and you should probably start him.
2: Yeah, I love that call. Obviously, because I you stole it. From yes, me, <laughs> I, like seconds I, seconds I was about to Type it into the show sheet, and then I see Dearness Johnson. I was like, ah. Oh, followed um, by sorry, Scott. I know, and then I put my sleeper in, and I said, "That's okay, mate." No, I think I think he's a great play. I think the matchup is is good. New England, the last five is twenty first to running backs and fantasy points allowed, so they've been going in the wrong direction in that department. Um, he, I mean, he shocked the world with his performance that start a few games ago. I mean, that was, that was house money for the people that threw him out there that week. I I was desperate in the league and threw him out and yeah, that was some good stuff. So, and it was my boy, uh, T Strack on Twitter, best ball UK. He was one who tweeted out today. Uh, nobody that's tested positive so far this season when Nick Chubb did has played on Sunday. Not to say he won't but i'd say the likelihood of him playing is pretty slim. it is so if you didn't i i still have the johnson on a few teams because i kind of forgot i'll be i'll, I'll admit it. it it's not that i was like oh i'm keeping him in case something happens i forgot so now i'm lucky but i hope you still have him if not he'll probably be one of the top waiver ads once again two doses of dareness johnson this year
1: you know it's funny so you forgetting you had him on a roster I had him on a dynasty roster from last season, but he was so buried. I forgot I had him. <laughs> and then the week that he went off, I was like, oh crap, I need a running back. And I went through, I was like, oh, I have Dearness Johnson. That's cool. And I started him yeah. like, at least I'm going to get a couple points. <laughs> <Yep. clears
2: throat> Good call,
0: Nate. Dearness Johnson from the, against the Patriots guys, you heard it from Nate. He's going up, firing him up. Sure thing, sleep for the week here for week, 10, Scott, double-digit week, man, a lot of pressure on you. Who are you delivering here for your sure thing? So, again, this guy is a well-known commodity
2: in dynasty circles, but redraft, not so much yet, and that's Baltimore Ravens' Rashad Bateman, another rookie wide receiver. Um, I think with Rashad Bateman, you know, I was very high on him at the start of the season, and then unfortunately he also, you know, got injured just like Elijah Moore did but he's been back for three games and, you know, he's had pretty decent volume in those three games above a 60% snap percentage. I, I, I realize Sammy Watkins is out, but he has been involved right away. Um, and I've, you know, and he's made some pretty impressive athletic catches. Um, and the, the thing about the Ravens is, you know, the whole knock on him going, him going there on draft day, Was that they don't throw it, they just run it, they run it, they run it. And if you look at their run to pass ratio, it's pretty much like most seasons. It's near 50-50. However, the amount of plays they're running per game, partly because their defense isn't very good, is up in the top four with your Tampa Bays and your Buffaloes and your Dallas. So they're just, they're running more plays. So yes, they're still running a lot of running plays, but they are also running more pass plays. Their passes per game, if you look at it from that context, is... Again, in like the top five in the league, mm-hmm. so there is volume to go around to these receivers. They get to play Miami, pretty much the worst pass defense as it stands right now, this week. And I think that's a sneaky with Ravens defense. Miami also surprisingly throws the ball more than yeah. pretty much any team in the NFL. That game could, if it, if 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 you know, if both teams show up competently, could be kind of a shootout. That could turn into somewhat of a shootout. Um, and I like Bateman. I think. You know, we saw Elijah Moore already have his blow-up game with
0: with the two touchdowns.
2: I think it's coming with Rashad Bateman.
0: Taking a shot on Thursday night is Scott with Rashad Bateman, his sure thing for Week 10. Guys, I'm going to stay in the same game for my sure thing heading into Week 10. I'm going to go with the running back here, Devonta Freeman. And I I never thought I would be saying this, guys. (laughs) This is just a testament to what, what we are living here in the 2021 season. I mean, Devonta Freeman's been super formidable here the last couple of weeks, guys. Um, he's had three straight games of double digit fantasy points. He's been averaging 2.6 targets per game, you know, giving him a little bit of a floor at least. And then 5.6 yards per carry during that time as well. Like, that's pretty that, that that's big boy stuff right there. Like, it's definitely the best I've seen Devonta Freeman look in quite a few years. Um, Miami, Scott just talked about them. They're a bad secondary, so I definitely am expecting them to attack them. But, I mean, they still have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones when healthy. Like, these aren't scrub cornerbacks by by any means. And, you know, I, I think the Ravens are going to have the ball. They're going to control this game. And one way they're going to do it, if they get up, you know, just thinking game flow-wise, if they get up, it's Devonta Freeman's show. Um I'm, ex- I'm not expecting Latavius Murray back on this. I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't know – but, you know, it is a short week coming back here. So, if Devonta Freeman, even if Murray comes back, I think I'm still playing him here in the first game. But I see Devonta Freeman as a low-end RB2, high-end RB3 flex option for us here. Um, I, I really like it, guys. Miami, you know, they're super middle of the road uh, against opposing running backs. However, they give over uh, up over a touchdown per game, 4.3 4. yards per carry. So, they are vulnerable pretty much at any way you look at it. So it's a risky one, but I'm, I'm willing to risk it here. I got some I got some running backs on buys. The Bears are on by. Um, so, I mean, I'm firing up Devonta Freeman once again here in week 10. I don't think it's as risky as you think it is. I think it's a good call.
2: I think it's a good call too. I will say one of the weirdest things about this season was going from young, promising stud J.K. Dobbins to a backfield that has – Devonta Freeman, Latavius Murray, and <laughs> Le'Veon Bell in it.
0: And Le'Veon yeah. Bell in number eight.
2: Le'Veon that Bell. That throws me eight. off. Or
0: it was I, something like that. It, I, think I, it, I think it's seventeen. I think it's seventeen. It, it is seventeen. Said, oh, it's Peters Adrian
2: Peterson wore number eight. Yeah. And it's just like, just just go back to the old numbers, man. Please. I love if it, it. I love it. If it I, ain't broke, don't try and fix
0: it. Sorry. I didn't. I did not like the number change at first, but like. I think some of these, like I've loved Chase Edmonds' new number. I think DJ Moore and Sterling Shepard's new number looks sweet. Like, I again, am I... fine with that. It's, I mean, I'm fine
2: with receivers, quarterbacks, whatever. It's the running backs all being single digit that just starts to. Yeah. But I'm yeah. a, I'm a get off your lawn, get off my lawn, <laughs> you know, Generation X. Older we're old,
0: guys Scott. We're old. I know. Guys, you heard it here from us. Nate's going Dearness Johnson this week. Scott, he's going Rashad Bateman in Thursday Night Football. And I'm staying in the same game, going Devonta Freeman. You guys can fire these guys up with some some level of confidence here this week. We said it, so hopefully you are a little bit confident in us. Um, Guys, let's go ahead and round out the show with some weekly advice. Weekly So those new to the show weekly advice is our way of bringing a little bit of real life into fantasy football and into our show. So we do it with all our content here in between media. We have columns coming out uh, at least three times a week. We have content coming out seven days a week and all of it does have this lifestyle or life related aspect to it. So, you know, the the one unfortunate thing about life sometimes guys is unfortunate things happen down in Houston this, this weekend at Astro world was no different. And, you know, it was a topic I I, I didn't really want to t- touch on but I felt obligated to um, I, I know a lot of kids in my generation were there you know ages anywhere from 14 to you know older than me 25 26 who knows but um, eight people lost their lives at this event and it was just kind of a a, a, a badly planned event it, you know I don't want to get into the conspiracies of it but Travis Scott obviously not stopping the show was kind of heartbreaking to see um, but eight people lost their lives. A lot more people were unconscious. Some are in comas still fighting fighting. You know the aftermath of this event. Music's a big part of my life. I listen to hours of music every day. Scott and Nate, I know you guys do as well. We, we touch on a lot of the music, whether it's in, in our columns, we talk about it. I actually have a, a column that features a playlist that, that we sometimes run in the off season as well. So music's a huge part of our lives, guys. I love live music. I love concerts. Um, I just want to talk about basic etiquette though, you know, when, when attending these type of events, um, Nate, you're someone who, when you were growing up, you were kind of around the music scene at a very early age. Um, more, more the, the, the punk scene, if, if I'm right on that, but can you talk a little bit about what you learned during that time, how you should approach these events as a person? So, I mean, I've been to a
1: couple hundred, Different shows, a lot of smaller venues, nothing. I've been to some bigger festivals. I did warp Tour in the 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, warp Tour in the 90s. That was a different time. right? Um, but <clears throat> here's the thing. When you go to a concert to see a band, you're there with people who have a shared love of the music you're going to see. Go there knowing that. Understand that everyone is there to enjoy what you're about to see, the performances you're about to watch, listen to, experience, and treat it as such. You might not have the best seats. I, um, The first time, one of my favorite bands of all time from when I was like 10 years old was Tool. Enema is like is still to this day an album that I listen to, and it gives me goosebumps because I love it so much. I got to see Tool for the first time when Jen was pregnant. I was sitting in the nosebleeds in the Pepsi Center, and it was fine because you know what? I got to see one of my favorite bands of all time. I didn't need to rush the stage. I didn't need to be unruly. I didn't need to fight or jockey for position. Appreciate the moment appreciate being there and don't rush the stage and like punk shows you brought up. There's a lot of like mosh pits and stuff like that, but crazy as it sounds, if you've never been in a mosh pit, it's an oddly respectful violence. I know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but everybody's there to enjoy themselves and blow off this adrenaline where nobody's there to hurt you. There's a lot of bumping and running into, but it's all part of the experience if you're going to a concert with the intention to rush the stage to make sure you can get as close as you can without any regard for the people who are there to also enjoy the same thing, you shouldn't be going to a concert. So if that's how you feel, don't go because this isn't, that scene isn't for you.
0: Scott, what, what can you add to this conversation? I know you're someone who actually really enjoys rap and hip hop a, a lot more than most people your age. Um,
2: I mean, the thing about, my experience is i i actually don't have a ton to offer to this conversation because live shows were never like my favorite thing in the world um it was part of my being scared of people and being self-conscious you know i didn't want to dance in front of anybody that kind of stuff so i was just like why would i go but I, w- I still went to a fair amount of live shows i went to a lot of hip-hop shows in the early 2000s in seattle um and i think i mean i think nate touched on a lot of it it's it's what happened in Houston um, was kind of a fluky freakish thing. It seems like mm-hmm. that's not, that's not a typical occurrence. I mean, I remember as I was reading it, as it was, it was unfolding, I was just, um, I was in disbelief, you know, I was like, wait, what happened? Just cause you know, you, you can't help but empathize and put yourself in that place and how terrifying and awful that would be. But, yeah, I think, you know, it's the same as whether you're at a concert or whether you're anywhere, is do your best not to put yourself in harm's way. Just, you know, do your best to make make smart decisions. That's the other thing, too, is a lot of the concerts I went to back in the day, like they there were a lot of concerts. It's called the Gorge Amphitheater in Washington. It's on the Columbia River. It's one of the most beautiful, beautiful probably not quite as beautiful as Red Rock, but it, it rivals that type mm-hmm. of venue. Went to a lot of shows there. Massive amount of people pushed our way to the front. But you know, when I used to go shows based on my personal way I r- ran my life, I was just as much in there to get inebriated and get you know kind of get shit faced as I was to actually hear music. So I didn't make the best decisions anyway. So I mean, that's another thing too. Is you know, it's uh, I can say after going to a lot of shows, and I don't want to get on a, a soapbox, but after going to a lot of shows completely sober um i had more fun to be honest because i remembered everything i actually got to feel and be present in the moment of the music and i didn't get that invincible feeling like i could rush the stage and start mosh pitting with people so it's a little scattered um but but yeah i mean ultimately i guess my main point is just you know just do whatever you can to not put yourself in that spot you know it uh you don't necessarily need to be in the front row Yep. If I could just touch real quick on something Scott said, going
1: to a show sober is the way to go a hundred percent. I've done both the majority of my concert experiences when I was under 21. So I was sober for all of them. Mm. I mean, I think there's like probably eight concerts I've eight, nine concerts I've been to where I could actually consume. Um, And I learned that consuming isn't, I went to see social distortion I'm assuming both of you know who social distortion is. Um, I don't remember getting into the pit that night, but what I do remember is the next day having this massive gash on my arm from being in the pit Mm -hmm. shows are better sober for the most part.
0: Yeah. Guys, I definitely appreciate your insight on this because it's something that's definitely kind of struck me is, you know, seeing a lot of people, my generation, not just physically harmed from the situation, but just overall um, you know mentally scarred from this situation as well. If I could give any advice, it would be if you go to a show, one hydrate, you know, if you are going okay. to be drinking, match match every drink you have with a bottle of water, make sure you have some water on you. Um, make sure you know where the exits are in case you do need to leave. And if you de- do see someone you know struggling um, about to pass out or, or hurt in any way, let's help them. You know, I've heard a lot of great stories of, of, of people, not even EMTs though, but just people in the audience who were helping other people out of this event. So um, condolences to everyone who was in, you know, involved in this tragedy. I I hope we can learn from it as a generation. um, And just as a, as a nation and move forward. Um, I hope everyone can heal from this, but I I do appreciate your guys's, uh, your guys insight on this. It definitely was a, a, a tough scene for, for a lot of kids my age. So thank you for that insight. Um, guys, we appreciate all the support on the show. If you enjoy lifestyle, life content, as well as fantasy sports content, we got you here in between Media. We got content coming out seven days a week during the fantasy football season. A little bit of NASCAR shaking in with that UFC golf as well. So if you guys want to check us out, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. You can check out the audio version of the podcast as well on Wednesday nights. That always drops there. Appreciate you, Nate and Scott. Appreciate everything you guys do for us here in between media. Appreciate our audience members as always, and our back end audio editor Kyle Scott as well. Gentlemen, any final thoughts on the evening? Um, I just I'm curious as to what Week Ten has in store after
2: what Week Nine was. I'm just, you know, because part of me is you know part of me is just like it, we make fun of it and it's bizarre and crazy, but if it, it, it's not boring, that's for sure. It's not boring at all so um that part of it i do
0: like gotcha well guys i appreciate we're going to be here back next week same place same time everyone take care and keep it in between till next time the in between fantasy football podcast so one thing that you know really sets us apart here is is we're not afraid to talk about other things that maybe aren't super fantasy related do what you can to
2: become a better person become a better human.